Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. Today is episode 310, and we're going to take a look at a failed bank in Kansas. It is called Almina State Bank of Almina, Kansas. But before we dive into that, let me give a big shout out to my listeners because, as usual, you guys are awesome. We love to see you here. So a big shout out to Virginia, Oklahoma, California, New York, Texas, Pennsylvania, Illinois, British Columbia, Florida, New Jersey, Oregon, Georgia, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Arizona, Ohio, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Washington, Alabama, Nebraska, Utah, District of Columbia, aka the the swamp, let's train it for sure. North Carolina, Mississippi, Kansas, Maryland, Tennessee, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Louisiana, Hawaii, Nevada, not New Mexico, New Mexico, sorry. New Mexico, Idaho, Michigan, Iowa, Alberta, Ontario, New Brunswick, Wisconsin, Connecticut, Manitoba, Newfoundland and Labrador and Nova Scotia. In terms of countries, let's see here Greece, Hong Kong, Bangladesh, the Philippines, the Federated States of Micronesia, Denmark, Japan, Niger, South Africa, India, the Netherlands, Australia, the United Kingdom, the Russian Federation, Canada, Singapore and the United States. Okay, so I thought that we would get back into the list of failed banks because I think it's important to take a look at these and here's why. Even though we have quite a few failed banks in the United States, I just want to let you guys know there are way more successful banks than there are failed banks. That's very important to remember. The reason why I think it's important to take a look at these failed banks is because again, banks fail because stupid people do stupid things with other people's money. It's very much like Washington DC. Now I'm not saying everybody in DC serving in public office is stupid, but there are quite a few and on both sides of the aisle. It's not just Democrats, even though I do think Democrats are way dumber um than Republicans because they tend to go along the lines of raise taxes, use other people's money. And you know what? That's basically how a bad bank operates. They think that your money belongs to them and they should charge you a fee to use your own money and that's not right. So this is why banks are important, but they need to be good banks, not bad banks. So we're looking at a bad bank, they failed and not as miserably as others, but you know, a bank failure is just that, it is it is a bank failure. So just think about, you know, where this bank is located in Almina, Kansas, and the people that live there, they lost their bank. But you know, here's the good thing. Another bank came in, bought them out, took on all that loss via basically via the FDIC. So, needs to say, yes, I'm not a, a huge fan of the banking system or sector, so to speak, but banks are needed. And I think I would be a bigger fan of banks if they actually cared about people. Because without people and people's money, we wouldn't have banks. So I would think that banks would be more respectful and more kind to people that do business with them, but to me it seems like they just really only want to do business with people that have like millions or billions of dollars. Well, that excludes the majority of the population of any given society. Because of any given society, most of the people are middle class to lower income. In fact, you know, the United States is very rare in that we have a huge population in the middle class. Most countries do not have a middle class. You have a few people that are rich and then the majority of the population are poor. The United States is the exception to that rule. So needless to say because we are the exception to that rule, 
we need to let our light shine. We need to get back to our roots. We need to really believe in America because at this point, the more socialism takes over, the less we are America, and that's what concerns me and that's what I wish younger people and again I'm not old, but I wish younger people would understand that whenever you're voting in these democrats or whenever you're just hating capitalism or democracy you're literally hating the country that is protecting you and that is giving you those rights to choose to make decisions like this so you know when i was younger i mean i'm again i'm not old but i never hated my country and i never hated capitalism i never hated democracy if anything you know i really valued it And as I get older, I value it even more, but just in a different way. Because I think as you get older, you 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 basically look at things from a different point of view. Like I know that when I was 18 and 19, I never questioned the military. I never I never questioned it. Well, now I definitely question our military because it's being run by some very i guess politically correct generals and I'm like how can you be in the military and be politically correct? I mean they curse like sailors. I mean it's just like unbelievable. So you know, here's the thing, even though we get older our viewpoint and our opinions change, you're basically the love of your country and the love for your country should never change. It should grow. Because if you don't have a country, it's just that you don't have a country. So you need to guard and protect it. What a lot of younger people, these very entitled younger people in high schools and colleges right now, they they are not looking at things in the correct lens. They're only seeing it from a socialist point of view and they think that because they're angry, oh it must be the fault of their country or or capitalism must be to blame or fossil fuels. It's like okay, you know, the very things that they are blaming are the very things that are keeping this country afloat. So, it's one of those things I just wish they were more aware of supply and demand. I wish they were more aware of rules, laws and regulations that directly impact them and also guard and protect them. So again, you know, you can you can like your country. I just don't think you should hate your country. And I feel like there are many younger people that they are hating the United States and that they don't understand that first of all, hate is never appropriate. You need to get rid of those feelings and you need and you need to deal with them appropriately. And what I do is I pray about it. and i just say lord help me with xyz this is pissing me off or irritating me whatever the case may be but you know maturity and wisdom when you grow on those you understand that anger and hate are never the answer it doesn't mean it won't happen and you won't feel those emotions but you have to temper those like you have to you know really calm them down because if you don't calm those down then you you tend to latch on to something that feeds into that emotion and then because it feeds into it and it gives you a lot of energy then you tend to think oh well this must be right because i'm really excited about it i really agree with it and that's not that's not the case that's not always true so needs to say the one of the reasons why i thought it was really important to go over these bank failures is because if more people understand why banks fail then they won't be so upset. Does that mean they won't be upset? No, but it does mean that people will understand the dynamics behind the financial sector, the banking sector and you know just really understand where to put your money 
and how to understand these rules, laws, and regulations that are actually there to protect you, not to make your life a living hell. <laughs> although, although if you become socialist, you know it will be a living hell. You know that's. I think that's why some of these other countries. that are socialist or communist i think that's why they love to listen to this podcast because they long for freedom that they don't have and i think that that is a a very telling example that that we have it really good here in the united states and we need to guard and protect that because if we do not guard and protect what we have then no one will have a bright and shining light to to look forward to because you know we we still are the the beacon on the hill so to speak we still need to let our light shine to the entire world because we are a world superpower but at this point in time because of the current legislation or the current administration I should say that is in power in Washington DC because they have become so political and so um I don't like to use the word woke because I think it's get on trashy but I think you know I'm saying when when I say they have become woke and they have really caused a lot of problems and you know we we are not a woke country we are the united states of america and it needs to be evident it needs to be obvious and right now i think a lot of world leaders are like what's going on in the united states because this is not how they usually act this is not who they usually are and so you know basically the rest of the world is looking to us to set the example and to raise the bar not lower it That's all I want to say about that. But let's dive into Alameda State Bank, and again, it's located in Alameda, Kansas, and this is directly from the FDIC.gov website. So this is coming directly from this department, from this federal agency, from Washington D.C. It says on Friday, October twenty-third, twenty twenty, Alameda State Bank was closed by the Kansas Office of the State Bank Examiner. The FDIC was named receiver. No advance notice is given to the public when a financial institution is closed. I disagree with that, but again, I understand why. Equity Bank of Andover, Kansas acquired all deposit accounts and all the assets, all shares of stock were owned by the holding company which was not involved in this transaction. Now, I do want to read the official press release, so let me go to that. Cuz that that was just a snippet from the FDIC website. This is the actual press release. from back in 2020. So this was released by the FDIC Friday, October 23, 2020. It says Alameda State Bank of Alameda, Kansas was closed today by the Kansas Office of the State Bank Commissioner, which appointed the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, also known as the FDIC as receiver. The failed bank experienced long-standing capital and asset quality issues. operating with financial difficulties unrelated to the current economic conditions resulting from the pandemic to protect depositors the FDIC entered into a purchase and assumption agreement with Equity Bank of Andover Kansas to assume all of the deposits of Almina State Bank the two branches of Almina State Bank will reopen as branches of Equity Bank on Monday October say Monday October 26th of 2020 The FDIC strongly encourages bank customers to follow Centers for Disease Control and Prevention guidance on social distancing and utilize online and electronic banking capabilities. Goes on to say depositors of Almina State Bank will automatically become depositors of Equity Bank and the FDIC will continue to insure all deposits so customers do not need to change their banking relationship in order to retain their deposit insurance coverage. 
customers of Almina State Bank should continue to use their existing branch until they receive notice from Equity Bank that it has complete systems changes to allow its branch offices to process their accounts as well. And this is like going back in time. It says this evening, which is on this day, and back in 2020, this evening and over the weekend, depositors of Almina State Bank can access their money by writing checks. or using ATM or debit cards checks drawn on the bank will continue to be processed loan customers should continue to make their payments as usual so again i find it to be very hypocritical that this bank has failed this bank has failed and yet they expect the people that have loans to continue to pay money into a failed bank that part bothers me because the bank has not kept up its end of the deal it failed So here's the thing. I disagree with how loans are issued and um collected in the United States. I don't agree with how they handle some things. Cuz there's so many agreements where the lender doesn't keep their end of the deal and even though they do not keep their end of the deal, they go after the person, they basically go after the borrower, the person that needs the money. and that's not cool. I'm not saying these people shouldn't pay their loan, not at all. I'm saying that it's really one-sided with loans in the United States and that's not right. And here's why it's not right. It means the consumer, the client and the customer, they're not protected as much as the financial institution. That creates inequality, meaning there's favoritism. Meaning there's favoritism towards the bank. not the consumer. And yes, the consumer that has all this debt and can easily lose their property or whatever the case may be if they have to foreclose. That's my point. Again, I'm all for people paying off their debt. Paying off your debt is part of being an adult. If you owe someone money, you literally owe them money and you should pay it. What I'm talking about is when someone doesn't keep their end of the deal because I mean, look at it this way. Let's say this bank did not fail and someone didn't pay their loan. Okay, they would be in default, right? Oh my gosh, the bank would go after them immediately and probably serve them papers via the police or the sheriff, right? But here's the thing, when a bank fails, you know, the the consumer can't serve them papers. <laughs> so, that's what I'm talking about. Like it's very um topsy-turvy and that that means that there's not equality there. And whenever you enter into a an agreement, there should be equality. meaning everybody or or the two parties should be held equally responsible for what is going on in that agreement but that's not how it is with banks going on it says as of June 30th 2020 Almina State Bank had approximately 70 million dollars in total assets and 68.7 million dollars in total deposits so a little out of sync there In addition to assuming all of the deposits, Equity Bank agreed to purchase essentially all of the failed bank's assets. That is a tremendous risk. So Equity Bank, um kudos to them, big shout out to them because they they took on a whole lot of losses that they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to, but they chose to. And I'm I'm thinking it's because they really care about these depositors. So just FYI be aware of that. goes on to say the FDIC estimates that the cost to the deposit insurance fund also known as DIF will be 18.3 million dollars it's not as much as a billion but still quite a bit 
Um, compared to other alternatives, Equity Bank's acquisition was the least costly resolution to the fund, which I agree with that. And it says that that fund, as usual, you know, the DIF is an insurance fund created by Congress in 1933 and is managed by the FDIC to protect the deposits, the deposits at the nation's bank. So it's there for a reason. It's there for a purpose. So, you know, this is a very interesting bank because it's in Kansas. And I guarantee you, California doesn't give a hoot about Kansas. Um, but I am impressed with the FDIC and I am impressed with Equity Bank because they really cared about this bank. Even though the bank made many mistakes in basically in the millions of dollars, they they did what they could to protect the depositors and that is their job to do that. What I wish they would say is what exactly happened because here's the thing. Again, bank failures don't just fall out of the sky. It's not random. I'm not saying it's always intentional. I don't think it actually is intentional, but You know, here's the thing. You can't tell me upper management didn't know what they were doing with this. And unfortunately, this is a small bank in a state that I'll just say a lot of people don't care about Kansas. But people should care about Kansas because we are the United States of America. Like it's not just about California or New York or some of these fancy states or whatever that you know claim to have it all. It's about all of us. It's about all of us. So the FDIC actually did a really good job with this bank. Really good job. And so did Equity Bank. I'm actually impressed with this one. If you've heard this podcast long enough, you know that it takes a lot to impress me. It really does. Um, but, you know, just FYI, yes, we are going through a list of bank failures. But just know that there are way more successful banks than failed banks. And if it wasn't for these successful banks coming in and helping out these failed banks, the American people would, would totally be screwed because the FDIC cannot insure everybody and everything. So that's why these banks that basically come in and take over another bank because a bank is failing, they are taking on tremendous risk. They're taking on risk that basically the FDIC cannot cover. And the reason why they cannot cover it is because the FDIC is funded by the American people, our tax dollars. So just FYI, be aware of that because not all banks are bad. I'm not saying all of them are good, but not all of them are bad. In fact, most banks are really good banks. And considering how many banks we have in the United States, these failed banks, it's just a... I don't like to say it's a small amount, but technically it is. If you look at how many banks we have and how successful the other banks are, these are, I'm not saying there are nothing, because whenever you have a bank failure, it is serious. It is very serious, but thank goodness we have other banks that are, that are successful and that they do not operate like these failed banks. So that's why I've said in times past, you need to be careful where you put your money I'm not saying be fearful because fearfulness doesn't pay. It's terrible. Don't ever be fearful. I'm saying don't put all your eggs in one basket. But what sucks about these smaller banks that are in smaller communities like in Kansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, you know, basically the hick states that people think we're all a bunch of hicks even though we're not. There are many communities that people don't really know to go to a larger bank because they're not close to a bank. And many people do not want to do online banking. Many people in these smaller communities 
in these kind of less populated states, they you know they are old school in their banking. Meaning, when they have to do business with the bank, they drive to the bank or they walk to the bank and they walk in there and they talk to the bank manager. Like that's the old that is the old school way. So it's one of those things that you know whenever one of these banks fails, it might be the only local community bank in that area for like fifty to a hundred miles, because states like Kansas are not heavily populated. So th- there's not as much diversity in terms of uh, financial success, is what I mean. I'm not saying they're all poor. I'm just saying that they don't have a bank on every corner. like in like in Los Angeles or New York City or some of these other places right so whenever a small bank fails it's more catastrophic because their small bank in these small communities was their large bank is what i'm trying to say and i would imagine that's why the FDIC and Equity Bank were were very quick to respond to this small state bank because it it probably had many depositors that were local and they had no other place to go. So that's why we go through these bank failures to take a look at okay, you know, it's not just about the bank failure itself, it's also about demographics. You know, what what people are using this bank? You know, like what kind of community is using this bank? What you know, what is their gross income? you know what is their business are they small mom and pop shops are they homemakers are are they on social security i mean it's it's anything and everything in between right here's the thing these small community banks sometimes they bite off more than they can chew and i bet that's what happened here but needs to say i think it's really good what the fdic did and what equity bank did because they saved this bank and they helped to protect the depositors and so they protected the community. And usually I don't like that word community because I've heard that word be used in a way that's like um oh we got to do it for the community. It's just you know it's just like how they say oh we got to do it for the kids. It's like no, when you do something, you need to do something because it's the right thing to do. You don't do something just because it's for kids. You don't do something just be- just because it's for the community. Whenever someone does something, they need to do something because it's the right thing to do. regardless of whether someone has kids or not, regardless of what community they live in. That's the thing. That's the difference between doing what's right regardless of your circumstances as opposed to, well, I'm only going to do what's right if I like where I live. I'm only going to do what's right, you know, if I have two or three kids. See what I mean? Like like there there's a difference in that mindset. That's why I don't like this whole Oh, you know, we are community. Um, you know, we we do things for the family or we're in this together. Those are just BS lines. I mean, they're they're just hashtags for the internet. The reason why I don't like those is because it doesn't show you the person's true character and I've learned that whenever people use those hashtags or they say, "Oh, we're in community" or "we're about family," you better look out for a trap because those are people that are more likely to set you up for failure because they're just using those words to hide what they're really doing. That's why I don't like those phrases because it's become very negative to me. My personal opinion is you should do what's right regardless of where you live, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your marital status, regardless of your religion, race or creed or the color of your skin or what kind of day you're having. Because doing what's right is not depend upon those other factors. It's just about doing what's right. It's about your character. It's about your heart, it's about your soul and it is about your mindset.
That's the thing. I, mean, I think we've all had situations where, you know, we, we didn't like where we lived. You know what I mean? Especially when you're just starting out in life. But here's the thing. Everything that happens in our life is a stepping stone towards something better. So needs to say whenever someone says, oh, I, you know, we need to do this for the community or we need to do this, you know, we, we need to do it for the kids. I'm like, well, well, what about people that don't have kids? You know, when I pay my taxes, I'm not paying my taxes just because other people have kids. I'm paying my taxes because I'm a worker and I believe in the United States and I believe in doing what's right. That's why I don't agree with all these tax credits for people that pop out all these babies. I could care less if someone spawns. That has nothing to do with 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 uh, wages or workers' rights or with tax brackets. But unfortunately, there are people that have made it about favoritism. And that's not right. Cuz favoritism destroys equality. So needs to say in regards to this bank If I had to guess and is a guess because I don't know everything about it. I guarantee you the FDIC and Equity Bank they came in and saved this bank because I bet this bank again was the largest bank for their area so it wasn't just a community bank. I mean the the title of their bank says Almina State Bank. Now just because someone says that in their title doesn't mean they actually are like the state bank of their state but you know Kansas is not you know heavily populated. And sometimes you have to drive a long ways, you know, just to go to the grocery store or things like that. So banks like this are very important to multiple communities is my point. So needs to say for Equity Bank to take on their losses really says a lot. Really says a lot. Because if they had not taken on the losses of this of this bank, I think many families would definitely have suffered and also single people as well. And when I say families, whenever I say that, I'm not just talking about people that have kids. Because, you know, if you're single, you are your own family. Yes, you have parents, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, whatever, but in regards to you as a single person, you are the head of your household, you are your own family. So whenever I refer to families, I'm not just talking about people that have popped out babies and kids or whatever. I'm not just talking about them, I'm talking about everybody. cuz everybody belongs in society. Everybody belongs to a community. But what's interesting is that whenever people use that word community and they're like, "Oh, you know, we are for community," they're not always including single people, and that really bothers me. Cuz I feel like married people, you know, I feel like they forget what it was like to be single, and then they they ostracize single people and then they wonder why single people don't like them <laughs> or they don't respect them. It was just, you know, different story for a different day, but I do think that sometimes people use marital status as a way to discriminate against other people. I'm like, "Wow, um are we going back to the 1500s where were basically where women and little girls are used as pawns in marriage?" I mean, think about that. That's really grotesque and sick, but stuff like that happened. And some of that stuff is still happening over in um indigenous countries over overseas in Africa and things like that women are still being used as property so needs to say whenever people are using marital status as a weapon that becomes a tremendous problem it it definitely becomes a tremendous problem because also it infiltrates and manipulates our tax code and i do not agree with that at all because it leads to having no equality whatsoever and it creates favoritism 
and it creates nepotism. None of those things are appropriate in America. We're not about favoritism. We're not about nepotism. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're definitely not about throwing marital staffs in someone's face. So we, we need to get back to our roots and really understand what makes America great. And I think the first step is for everyone, as much as possible, to read the Constitution of the United States. And then once you read the Constitution of the United States, then you will understand why it's very important that people do what's right regardless of their circumstances. Regardless. Because needs to say, the higher-ups with this Almina State Bank, I don't think they did what's right. I think they continuously did what was wrong, and it cost people millions of dollars. And it cost the FDIC, what was it, $18.3 million, that, that fund? Yeah, $18.3 million. Again, not as bad as other banks, but still, there is no excuse for a bank failure. That's my personal opinion. Because again, bank failures, they don't just drop out of the sky. Basically, there, there were things that happened that continued to happen that no one stopped until it was too late and the bank was going to close and fail, basically go into foreclosure and completely collapse. And so that's why the FDIC had to intervene. All bank failures can be prevented, but they chose not to do that. That shows you, again, stupid people doing stupid things with other people's money. That is why these banks fail. So it is what it is, but thank goodness for Equity Bank and the FDIC because they did the right thing here, for sure. But I will go ahead and end it there for this lovely podcast. But as usual, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye.
world to go down. 